I would like to talk today about one of the one of the ways that people for centuries have understood the gospel and countless Christians around the world today, this will be their go-to way of understanding the gospel. And that is redemption, a story of freedom, a story of discovering freedom. So redemption, we hear the word in Romans 3, verse 23. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. And what this word means is it's, it's an idea of purchasing or paying a ransom to free someone from slavery, from debt, indentured servitude, oppression. And, you know, Christians who have been persecuted by the government will cling on to the gospel as a story of redemption. Uh, slaves who might not have known freedom in their life will uh, see the gospel as the promise of ultimate freedom in the future. People who've wrestled with um, addiction to drugs and alcohol will tell the story from that. And the great thing about the gospel is that all of these ways of telling the story of the gospel are true. But today we're going to look at this one that has, has meant so much to Christians throughout the centuries. And, and maybe you hear it and you think, I, this is actually one way that I struggle to connect with. Um, you wouldn't be the only one. When Jesus said in the Bible, the truth shall set you free, very famous quote, the people who responded didn't understand. The people who heard it were like, well, set me free from what? I am free. I'm, I'm not enslaved to anyone. And maybe you feel that way too. Um, maybe this idea of freedom doesn't quite connect with you because actually we live comfortably here in, in the West, uh, we don't, uh, we're, we're not persecuted by the government. Um, we are not in slavery. Um, many of you won't have struggled with things such as addiction. And so you might not understand it as much, but today I really want us to look at what freedom can mean for you, what the gospel as a story of redemption will look like for each one of you. Uh, and the best way to understand it is to go back to the Bible. So we're going to go a few chapters later from this one in Romans 6, verses 15 to 23. So um, he's been talking about grace, which we heard about last week, um, and how complete it is and, and how it's all we need to be saved. And then so it follows up with this question. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I'm using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. I always like it when the Bible acknowledges our human limitations. It's like, here's an example you'll understand. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? These things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin 
and have become slaves of God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when I was preparing this sermon, I had my three points ready to go. Um, They didn't quite alliterate, but I was getting there. I had historical anecdotes, a few jokes I was going to throw in. And then I felt God say, no, actually, I just want you to make one point today, which is that you have more freedom that you can access. You can walk more in the freedom of God that has been won for you today. Every one of us here can respond to this word. There is, we have been set free and now we are called to walk in that freedom, to embrace the fullness of what that freedom means for us. I am going to focus specifically on spiritual freedom as it was kind of discussed in Romans 6 just now. Um, The Bible always talks about two types of freedom. They always come hand in hand. There is the kind of freedom from external oppression, um, such as uh, slavery or oppressive government, something like that. And that's often how we think of freedom and, and why we might not connect with this as much. But And that's really important. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. But it always comes hand in hand with spiritual freedom, where Jesus' heart for you is to know freedom from slavery to sin, inner freedom. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on today. And I just want to start by saying you, you all need it. Everybody needs to be set free. Um, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you might already be sort of rejecting this word, rankling against it. Slaves to sin? That's such strong language. But the Bible is quite clear. You're either a slave to sin or you serve righteousness. And and if those words are a little too strong for you, Let me put it in Bob Dylan's words, perhaps a bit more helpful. Bob Dylan had a Christian phase for a while, two great albums. And uh, he said in the song, you've got to serve somebody, that you've got to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. (laughs) I apologize for that. Every man of a certain age has a Bob Dylan impression that they want to wheel out. Bob Dylan and Kermit the Frog. Everyone's got one. Um, You have to serve somebody. It may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Who are you serving? Who do you serve? Slavery to sin is, is, it robs you of life. It's bad twice over. It's bad because it leads to death, whereas righteousness leads to eternal life. But it's also bad in the here and now. Because God's plan for you, his will for your life, is so much better than what sin, what the ways of the world can offer you. That might be a bit abstract, so I want to just give you a, a pretty simple but uh, an example that will hopefully illustrate that God's will is, is the best way to live. So one thing that the Bible teaches against is drunkenness. The Bible says, do not get drunk on wine, instead get drunk on the Holy Spirit. So that has eternal consequences. You know, if you're sinning, if you're going against God's will, it's going to have eternal consequences. But it's also just 
bad in the here and now, quite simply. If you, if you don't get drunk, then you're not going to do things that you regret or say things that you regret. You're going to um, treat your body better, look after your inner organs. You're also going to be less of a burden on A&E on a Friday night. That's perhaps a bit of a simplistic example, but I want to use it to illustrate that every instruction that God has in the Bible isn't just good as some sort of ticket to eternal life. It's also good for you here, now. It, it's going to bring you freedom to become who you are made to be, become who you're designed to be, to experience fullness of life in the here and now. So if you're here and you're not a Christian, this freedom, this redemption is available to you today. You can put your trust in Jesus. And maybe you just did that now when Rachel shared that word. This freedom is available to you. You can break bad habits in your life, stuff that even without all of the spiritual language, stuff that you realize you don't like about yourself. These things that damage yourself, the acting in ways that sabotage your own happiness, that's what slavery to sin looks like. And don't worry, we have all been there. Every Christian in the room has needed that redemption. Look at this verse again. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The person sat next to you has fallen short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That's for you today. And if you want to respond to that, I'd love to chat to you at the end or any of the people that were, have been up on the stage or the person that brought you would love to chat to you. For the Christians in the room, though, what does, what does this look like for you? Because redemption is it's kind of an either-or thing. There's no halfway house. You are either free or you are not. And actually, that's the first point I want to make today. Your redemption is complete. And for some of you, that is all you need to take away today. If you've been struggling with guilt and feeling like, I'm, I'm not a good Christian, I'm still, I'm still caught in these cycles, and, and you feel like maybe you can't access God, you can't uh, come into his presence, you feel like you can't even come into church, your redemption is complete. You have been set free. And you can access that freedom today. It's done. It's all you need. However, I did also say that we can all be a bit freer. And what I mean by this is it's not something that affects your salvation. The Holy Spirit has sealed your salvation. It's good news. But Jesus has won freedom for you. He's paid for it. He's paid the cost. Redemption has a cost. And so we can access that freedom. And sometimes we can be like uh, the Israelites who they're set free from slavery in Egypt and then almost immediately start complaining and saying, weren't things better for us back in Egypt? And we can get stuck in attitudes, behaviors that actually they're just denying us all of the goodness of the gospel. They're denying us uh, life to the full that is freely offered and freely given to us. Does your life look more like your old life, slavery to sin? 
What does it look like, discipleship to Christ? And I'm sure there are all things that you can, that there are things that all of you can work on today. For many of you, you already know what this issue is, and I don't need to call it out because something has already come into your heart and you've already thought, yeah, I know I need to change that. That's, that's from my old way of life. That's from my slavery to sin, and I know I've been set free from that. And you need to make conscious choices today to leave that behind. But I just felt like God wanted to highlight a couple of things today that I suppose are a slave way of thinking that you might sometimes fall into. And the first is, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. And what I mean by this is, Allow God to speak into your life. The Bible says that when you become a Christian, you get a heart of stone taken out and a heart of flesh put in. A heart of flesh that um, wants to follow God, that, that will, um, the law will be written on your heart. But sometimes through our attitudes and actions, we can just close ourselves off to God's will and ways. Maybe that looks like for you ignoring uh, the wisdom of a Christian that knows you well and they're saying, you need to change this. And you just say, that's, that's not for me. You ignore that. Maybe it's avoiding going to church or small group for fear of being exposed. Maybe it's as simple as just rationalizing in your head something that you know is wrong. But saying, that's oh, okay, doesn't matter. These are all expressions of heart hardening, or in other words, stubbornness, pride. God has given you a heart of flesh, and you might need today to make an active decision to allow other Christians and the word of God when you read it to speak into your life. Because that is part of the freedom that's been won for you. If you want to change, if you want to enter into the fullness of that freedom, we need to constantly be attentive to the state of our hearts. And then from this, I felt like God wanted to also highlight bitterness. It's something that isn't talked about a lot, but it's in the Bible a lot. Ephesians 4 says, uh, put away bitterness alongside anger and malice. Um, and practically, a way to work out if you're bitter. Maybe, I, I feel like a lot, of, a lot of bitter people know that they are. They just have this cynicism that's deeply rooted in them. But just a way to work it out is just do a mental word audit. Audit your speech and just think, if I was to write down, if I was to have written down in front of me everything I said during this week, would it be net positive or net negative? Do I always come to complain first or do I always speak positively first? And I know that this can have a corrosive effect because this is something I'm constantly working on in myself as well. Part of the freedom that has been won for you is joy. 
the joy of the Lord that will become your strength. Bitterness corrodes, joy brings you strength. And maybe that is something that you need to work on today. But I I don't know what it is for you. But the chances are, the thing that is a sort of a hangover from your days of being a slave to the sin is the thing in you where you don't want to change because you will say, that's just who I am. Ah, that's just who I am. Maybe it's a type of laziness that has become apathy to everything in the world where you just can't be bothered. Maybe it's... um, Maybe you're just constantly getting into bad relationships. Oh, it's just, that's just who I am. Maybe you obsess over money to the point where you are reluctant to be generous. Oh, that's just who I am. I've always just been a bit weird about money. It is not just who you are. It is not just who you are. That is a slave way of thinking. That is a, that is a way of thinking that is from the days of your slavery to sin. It is not who you are. You have been made new. You have been set free. You are a slave to righteousness, a disciple of Christ. You have been set free. But this freedom isn't abstract. It's not vague. It is concrete. It is in reality. It is based in community. So um, just to give you... uh, kind of a real-world analogy for this. The charity that I work for, Bethany Christian Trust, um, they have a project called Connect Community. And what that is, is they meet prisoners who are leaving prison that day. And the reason we do that is because a third of people leaving prison have nowhere to go that day. And so they will quickly look to recommit crimes because for them, prison is a safer place to be. So what Bethany does is they meet them at the gates, find them somewhere to stay, and they connect them to a community. And so for them, freedom looks like hope and community and support from other people. And sometimes we can look at our freedom as, you know, we're stepping out of the prison gates and we're thinking, great, I'm free. Now what? (laughs) Now where do I go? So I want to look at what freedom looks like. And firstly, I've mentioned it a couple of times already, freedom looks like church community. Freedom looks like uh, a church where people are slow to judge and quick to forgive. A place where we can share our weaknesses, where we bear with one another, where we lift one another up, where we carry each other through hard times. That's freedom. That being connected to this church is a part of what freedom looks like for you. And maybe to enter into freedom more, you need to commit to church more. You need to make small group a priority or the Sunday evening prayer meetings. Because it's here where we can encourage one another, spur one another on. Exactly, I loved what Lucy shared about Uh, one of her running partners saying like, no, 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 God insists that you have to share it. We're never going to come to those conclusions by ourselves. We need someone to call that out of us. And in doing so, we will uh, discover more of what God has for us. Freedom looks like making conscious choices. 
You know, freedom isn't necessarily like just freewheeling through life. It's like, ah, I'm not going to let anything pin me down. No, freedom often means you, you are free to, to choose, to, to live differently, to work with people, to, I don't know, cut the bad stuff out of your life. Freedom might mean for you, you know, uh, stopping reading a certain uh, website. Freedom for you might mean cutting out a relationship, but your freedom means that you, ha- you are empowered to do these things. You are not mastered by sin. It is not just who you are, as I was saying earlier. This is not your master anymore. Jesus is your master, and he's saying, go, make that change. Live differently. Live for me, is what Jesus says. Freedom looks like purpose. You have been set free for a purpose. You have been redeemed to be a part of God's plan for Edinburgh. You have been redeemed to bring others spiritual freedom, to share the gospel, to share that Try Praying book. You have been set free to be salt and light. I feel like younger people in particular might need to hear this because often there's just a a sense of helplessness among Gen Z in particular. (laughs) Just like you look at the world and think, oh, what? What on earth can I do? You can be salt and light to your flatmates, to your course mates, to your colleagues, to this city. You've been redeemed for a purpose. Freedom looks like purpose. Freedom is not aimless. Freedom gives you direction. And freedom looks like relationship with God. If all of this sounds a bit like, oh, you're putting a lot on me today, Nathaniel. No, it's it's God in you that is going to do the work, that is going to soften your heart, that is going to enable you to make these changes. It's the spirit of God that he's freely given you that is daily going to make you more like Jesus. Intimacy with God will push out all of the sin that will try and drag you back to your old way of life, that will try and make you feel guilty, that will try and tell you, oh, you're not a real Christian. No, find intimacy with God. Thomas Chalmers described it as the expulsive power of a new affection. If you can't break out of something, fall more in love with God. Pray more. Read more scripture. Get to know Jesus. Learn to become more like him and allow intimacy with God to change you, to to just fill your heart with a new affection so that you don't even want the old way of life anymore. Let's Let's just take a moment to to reflect on that, actually. Let's just have a moment to ask God to Come and show us his love, his compassion. You have been redeemed 
so that you can know God. Your redemption means that the Spirit of God can live in you. That each day you can approach him and worship him and know his love and his favor on you. And as you seek to live fully in the freedom, it's not your own work, it is Christ in you. When the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. We often misuse the word redeem in our culture. You know, uh, we talk about redemption arcs in fiction where someone goes from being a baddie to becoming a goodie, which is almost there. We use the phrase, oh, he really redeemed himself there, you know, when, I don't know, someone's had a shocker in the technical round in the bake-off, but then they come back with an amazing showstopper. Oh, he's really redeemed himself there. You can't redeem yourself. The word redemption requires a redeemer, someone who is willing to pay the cost. And Jesus has done that for you. So let us enter into the fullness of that freedom. So how do we respond? Well, for some of you, you are not going to... uh, One sermon is not going to fix this for you. It's going to be a longer journey. And maybe you need to wrestle with some of your past and find true freedom. And that's going to require relationship and ongoing support. And the great news is we have something called freedom in Christ. The bad news is it's starting tomorrow. So you're going to need to make quick decisions. But this is for anyone at King's who is part of a small group. So you have to be one of part of our small groups here, and you can't just turn up to this one and like the welcome small group if you could let Lisa know. But it's a course where um, if this has set some things off for you today and you think, yeah, I, I need more freedom, but I need to know more, this is a great place for you to do that, where you work through each week, you go into more depth about some of what I've been talking about today, um, and you find out what freedom in Christ can truly look like in your life. So you can, if you know who Lisa is, speak to her at the end. If not, email lisa at kingschurchedinburgh.org or speak to your small group leaders. Um, but everyone else, we can make decisions today. We can respond by taking positive steps towards more freedom today. Um, whatever it is that God's spoken to you about, can I urge you, don't think I will get round to this at some point, because the chances are, if you're anything like me, you will not get round to it. Do it today. Do it today. Make decisions today that will lead you into a greater understanding and depth of freedom in Christ. The best way, as I said, to enjoy the freedom that's been won for us is to just declare our love for God, to to know him more, to worship him more, to sing of his goodness and to ask him to do the work for us. It's not us, it's Christ in us. So we're going to sing a hymn now and there's a verse in it about darkness has been defeated and we can sing that we are free. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. And I just, as, as we sing, 
Maybe, maybe for this song, you don't have to sing. You just want to listen and say, God, let this be true for me. Or maybe you want to claim that truth by singing it wholeheartedly, full-throatedly and say, God, you've set me free. Thank you for paying the ransom. Thank you for paying the cost. Thank you for redemption. Thank you for grace. Thank you that I can know you. So let us worship Jesus now.